Thanks for listening to the Replatform podcast, sponsored by Cramping Elastic Pathways, by me, James Gennett, Rogers. Uh, we bring you interviews with industry thought leaders, the C-suite of tech companies, leading retail brands, showcase e-com tech, help you decide what's relevant, and hopefully make uh, better technology decisions. All we ask in return is you tell other people about the podcast, so please do share and like our posts on social media. And if you are new, please give us a rating wherever you're listening or watching. So let's set up the uh, latest episode. We're talking about outsourcing for, for replatform and other technology projects. So this is looking about when external resource adds value and is relevant uh, and when it's not. So don't worry, this isn't the sales pitch. We're not talking about uh, a, you know, investing in consultants. We're talking about generally how teams can use other resources to plug skills gaps or help them uh, get better project efficiency and also sometimes help build a business case for change to avoid distractions. Um, so that's the setup. But uh, let's, Paul, let's start with one fundamental question because we need to be really balanced on this. Otherwise, it's going to seem like we're just trying to hawk our own services, which we never try to do, is when don't you need to outsource? Because people need to not spend money yes. when they shouldn't. Absolutely, yeah. So I think um, there's a few different uh, variables here. So I think one, uh, more recently, a certain level of build, so more... Um, I guess a more straightforward Shopify migration. Um, I think e-com teams, is, I think if you work with my agency, I think I've seen a number of e-com teams deliver project end-to-end uh, with internal resource, and it's been a fairly lean project. And I think there's probably some bits that maybe could be better in places or you know things have been pushed into a phase two in terms of some of the internal bits. But I think you know that those projects can definitely be delivered uh, via internal resource. Um, I think the second thing is about your team. So if you've got certain roles and resources and you've got the capacity, um, and you know, a lot of the bigger businesses do, or, you know, they'll be able to pull in a project manager from another department or, you know, pull in someone else that's got relevant knowledge and understanding and experience. Um, in that scenario, I think, you know, again, you probably don't have as many gaps um, and you might have the resources available to deliver the project, even if, you know, there's certain bits compromised. And then I think the third one um, is, I guess, if it's a bigger project and I've seen some of the transformation projects where they've essentially bought in full-time headcount in transformation roles and then you've kind of, you know, built that team with a view to deliver a number of projects um, and then you've got the resources internally as a result of that um but yeah i think the biggest one it's just about because like when we first started talking about this episode the initial piece was one of the biggest pushbacks of a replatforming project is we don't want to distract the team from trading the site or you know their day-to-day roles um and the biggest thing just comes down to capacity i guess yeah i think that i think that absolutely nails it and i agree on the smaller projects and i i I've advised people who've approached me and said look you know can you work with us? If you don't need me, the project's not complex enough. It's a like, sim- simple single site, really small product catalog. All you need is the right agency who has a consultative approach and therefore has the skills. And we we know, I'm not going to call individual ones out. I don't think it's fair um, to, because to, otherwise we'll have to list all the ones we think are good at this. Um, but there are some who are brilliant at handling those smaller projects and don't need an external consultant alongside them. Yeah. Um, and you don't need contractors because you don't need an internal project manager because the project's not that big. Uh, I've worked on several of those, as, as I know you guys have. So yeah, fundamentally, those for everyone listening, if if those things tick the boxes, 
then you probably are in a good place to just work directly with a smart agency if you get your agency selection right. Um, but let's flip that now and look at when when actually having external skills, and this could be contractors, it could be consultants, um, you know, it could be one person, it could be multiple. Um, so for me, the uh, so I'll, I'll list the ones where where I typically find the reason the reasons that drive the need, and then maybe you can build on top of them. So number one is skills gap. And this could be somebody, say, for example, migrating to a platform that nobody has worked on before, um, whether that is a Shopify, whether it is a Centra, whoever it might be, and don't have the, the knowledge enough about that solution, how it works, the strengths and weaknesses, you know, what it's good for, what other third parties fit well in the ecosystem. Or it could be that the, you're migrating to improve something around maybe omni-channel that you haven't done before as a business, and you've never explored how to deliver omni-channel um, services within an e-commerce platform, whether that's click and collect, you know, view store store, whatever it might be. So you want somebody to help you make smarter decisions. The next one is resource bandwidth. Come back to your point about distracting at an enterprise level. This is often is one of the big pushbacks, isn't it? Is a don't want to take the team away from that. You know, whether it might be even though you're not launching during peak, you never would do. But actually, if the project's running through then into the next year into Q1 release. Well, God, you don't want anyone distracted during peak trading because the potential impact on on sales revenue. So, wanting to make sure that you can manage the streams in parallel. Um, and then the the other major one for me is oversight and consultative advice, where you don't need somebody full time, but what you want is somebody tactically to come in and help you make a better decision. So, this could be on product catalog structure, product catalog like data architecture, so that you have the product data set up right to drive things like merchandising campaigns to drive. Um, you know, auto recommendations, blocks, etc., um, and to think through the implications of how product data is structured, because agencies can be brilliant at building the site. They might not think across all of the different eventualities for how you need product data to drive different parts of the website. Um, that's just one example from a consultative and oversight point of view. Crown Peak, enabling organisations to build meaningful digital experiences for everyone, everywhere. Engage your customers with our content management system. Reach your entire audience with our digital accessibility and quality tools and grow your brand with our product discovery solution. Find out more at crownpeak.com. What else would you add or do you want to expand on any of those? Yeah, so I think um, going back to like my thing around um, kind of that pushback because of resources, I think that a lot of roles can be outsourced and I think, you know, we've worked together, you know how scrappy I typically am. And I think I've worked on a number of projects where, you know, the biggest uh, concerns have been more around like building new, creating new content, creating new assets, um, you know, um, managing catalog migration in a certain way. Um, kind of, it's more that kind of bottom 50% of internal deliverables that have been the concern. And um, so I think, I personally think you can outsource the majority of that. The only thing I'd say is it needs to be a collaboration on some level and you need to like make sure that, and we talked about this before where I've worked on projects, like essentially taken on everything and then the internal team are um, not as bought into the end product as they could be as a result of working in that way. Um, but I think as long as you manage some of that stuff and make sure the internal team are capable when it comes to taking over, I personally think you can outsource a lot of the yeah, lower level internal deliverable pieces. Um, I then think project management, 
um, is a good one. So, you know, you see that outsourced all the time. Um, I think the the other ones, I think you already touched on. So that's solution architecting slash um, kind of um, like super user type uh, input. I think that can be a really valuable thing to outsource. Um, but yeah, I think my view is, I think I always, like we've had this discussion before and I think you can't necessarily outsource the leadership level inputs but i think you could outsource then the middle 50 percent. so you kind of need uh the people that are going to be hands-on involved to some level you need the top people to you know be be accountable um but that bit in the middle i personally think you can outsource i fully agree you should never outsource leadership and decision making every single project i work on i always say that to, to my clients that a consultant shouldn't make the decision for you. They should advise and guide you on the right decision to make and explain the implications of decisions you are going to take for you to then make it on merit. Because if the business doesn't buy into a decision, how can it back it once the consultant or the contractor's gone? Uh, or how can they understand the implications? So yeah, fundamentally agree with that. Um, then yeah, the subject matter experts. I'd, it's, a, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because if you don't want to distract from BAU and you don't want someone to spend 50% of their time on a project, then you have to have somebody else doing the bulk of the work, but you've got to engage those people along because they have to have buy-in. They've got to understand that it's going to support their role. It's going to improve what they're doing or at least replicate in a more replicate what they're doing and not give them any disadvantage. But they've got to be um, educated in the new ways of working so they can hit the ground running rather than being dumped something. So, yeah, I fully agree that that they need to be involved. Yeah, the um, the... The bits where I see a lot of value getting added, and I've got a project at the moment with a client in the US, and it, it's the it, if the if a client team isn't experienced in in technology change and implementing new tech, then they might miss. Or if they're not like e-commerce specialists and they're a team that's grown e-commerce out of traditional business, they might miss some of the expertise around. You know, let's take a specific. I had yesterday on a discovery workshop, which was. You know, what page templates do you need? And the interaction is we don't know. So having somebody who can turn around and go, right, okay, well, here's here's what I would advise based on the requirements we've captured. These are the different templates. And this is functionally what you need from each of them. And you've got commonality across these. There are six common layouts that work across them. And there are unique ones to each page. And this is how you need those layouts to work functionally to deliver what you need as a business. Then all of a sudden you've got, you've translated the business requirements and the high level strategy into a set of uh, of more functional spec um requirements that an agency can take and size and understand and turn that into a proper spec to build whereas i find sometimes between client and agency there isn't that it's like this translation f- thing that sits in the middle the babel fish for anyone who loves hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that takes uh, an output and, uh, and translates it into something that c- is usable Otherwise, you end up again. We want these pages, and pages are built by developer, but they do not deliver functionally exactly what that team needs to use, and they don't realize it until it's too late. Elastic Path is on a mission to break through the barriers that prevent commerce leaders from delivering extraordinary shopping experiences. Both business and tech teams are able to innovate on their own terms, fully embrace composability, and in turn, never compromise on what's possible. Learn more at www.elasticpath.com. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think um, I think the main th- like theme of this episode is obviously what could you outsource to make 
delivering the scope of a project better. But I think the only other thing I would add is sometimes there's value in bringing in additional resources to like improve the output. So like, you know, if you bought in a design resource um, that could either push the agency or you bring in like an independent like creative director or art director that, you know, actually takes on some of that. I think I'm a big advocate of that. And I think sometimes uh, someone more focused on kind of back end as well, or even back office uh, can be valuable dependent on the project. But that's more like, I guess, luxuries to, yeah, de-risk and uh, kind of add value in some of those other areas. I think that's that, that those two are essential, actually, because the first one, I've worked on a few projects where the internal teams just not have does not have the bandwidth to create the content at the um at the cadence needed for development so they have a target deadline based on a, a you know a commercial marker of we need to be live in march the team cannot produce all the new content assets in time because they're switching to a new design and the design's got different focal points different crops and they've got a product imagery is not fit for but etc all that's how you know and we know how much effort and time is involved in getting that stuff shot ready done artworks so 100 percent agree on that I'm flagging that early to people as well. Like how much resource have they got an appetite to do that? Not all teams want to do it either because, you know, having to like take loads of product photographs and recrop and do stuff, it's not for everyone. It's not exciting. They they want to get on with more exciting campaigns. But yeah, the back office stuff, interestingly, did a, did a webinar recently where um, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the speakers on it was a specialist in the whole back office, the supply chain, the logistics piece. And lis- listen to like her experience of, of where people ha- have struggles and challenges where they might not have the knowledge needed. Say, for example, part of this replatform is they're launching marketplace integrations and they're expanding out into like Amazon and other, and then realizing the 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 different requirements from a product packaging point of view, from managing that from the management point of view, from the, the links with their warehouse, from all of those decisions, you suddenly realize that if it's not your expertise, it's hard to make them effectively and do that quickly enough in order to for the project to 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 not be delayed by months because you then got to do all your research. So yeah, fundamentally agree on that one as well. Um, discovery is another one we talk about a lot. So this is the when somebody's selected a new technology. Now we're not just talking about platform replatforming. This could be you set a new PIM or a new search and merch tool, anything. Um, you obviously have to go through a technical discovery to to really nail down what the implementation is, what the requirements are, how they're being delivered, et cetera. Um, and this gets more complicated. The bigger the business, the more storefronts you got, the more you know countries, languages, et cetera. Um, and often I find that, that um, businesses haven't gone through discoveries um, enough to know how to do it to the right detail or to know how to articulate the requirements. And some agencies are good at it, others are just quite formulaic and don't always capture info to the right detail and you get compromised spec and compromised delivery. So I think where people don't have the bandwidth or don't have the expertise to do discovery, bring it in, whether if it's a big project, a contractor, or if it's a small project, just summon quickly ad hoc. To get discovery right can save you a lot of money in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was uh, about to add as well. I think... um... The other thing is with a re-platform project, often you'll be working with a completely different, you know, type of SI or partner. And I think a lot of people just won't understand the risk, like, you know, or, you know, they'll take all of the, you know, design and uh, all of the designs or like, you know, front end 
aspects and they'll be, and there'll be a functional spec but things like you mentioned earlier around kind of you know logic and back end or how things are built etc won't be covered and uh, you've just got to get rid of like every assumption because if you were the wrong partner or not necessarily wrong partner a certain type of partner though the crs could double the budget of the project or you know add 30 40 percent or whatever um and there is so much risk in that and the other thing is is obviously if the assumptions change it a lot you might not be able to hit your deadline etc so yeah i mean i completely agree i think um that's obviously one of the riskiest parts of a project especially if you're moving from or you know yeah making a fundamental like system change and you don't know how the new system works or you know tech stack works um you need to be very careful that i completely agree and uh, yeah the one area i think is really interesting is if we take replatforming first it's the so what pick a platform big commerce shopify centra salesforce it doesn't matter they have different ecosystems and they have different levels of um yeah pre-integrated connectors apps and ones that have a few installs ones that have hundreds thousands uh, in the SaaS world and there are those that have better interoperability with other connectors and apps within that ecosystem so that you already have predefined flows to help you drive automation rather than having to build out and do more code customization and I think for each platform, if you are moving to a new platform you've not got experience with as a business and the agency you're working with are specialists, but they have only worked with a certain number of third parties, what you sometimes get is an unconscious bias towards those third parties when they might not be the right ones for you. And I think you need to have, there needs to be somebody, whether you have them internally or it's someone in your network you know, or it's a contractor who's an expert, especially she comes in to be able to scrutinize that and say, you know, you've recommended part yeah, X for reviews, but you're using Y for loyalty. Well, those two don't don't work so effectively together. And actually, there's a better solution which will reduce your license fees and it's pre-integrated and it will give you that automated, you know, loyalty recognition of reviews, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think there are platform-centric skills that are useful to have and also the ability to politely challenge what's being recommended because it might not always be the right thing none of us know everything about every platform it is impossible so having blended um and diverse views brings better decision making in, in my experience um and that that carries on in not just on every platform but say you're, you're selecting a pim the same principle applies um people who've got a good knowledge of that and how it integrates to specific other technology um so that i think that's a key one for me Um, next question I've got then is you work with a lot of D2C brands. It's fair to say you've got a lot of really strong brands in your portfolio. From your experience of working with that specific type of customer, so a lot of them are fast growth as well, and they're not they're not enterprise businesses, but they're growing towards like what would be defined enterprise size scale of revenue, although systems wise they're they're not like a you know, they're not like a, you know, a, a, a a massive heritage brand like a John Lewis, for example. So where where do you see it in technology projects in that type of business? What do they typically outsource? What do they skills do they um, demand? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I mean it varies. Like a lot of the different brands we work with have different sized teams, um, <clears throat> so I think it does vary. Like I guess taking someone like Self Portrait as an example, and they replatformed Shopify. They had a super lean team, so that was a good example of where we just pulled in loads of 
uh, or more junior level resources and just took a load of it off their team. And I think that was needed. But I think some of the other ones that we work that have bigger teams, I mean, all of the types of brands that we work with that are like that, I'd say are very focused on the front end. So I think, um, yeah, bringing in independent design resources, a big one. Um, QA is another one um, that we actually somehow haven't touched on. But um, I think, you know, that's something that a lot of our clients have outsourced to different types of companies um, to, again, uh, kind of reduce pressure around UAT in particular. Um, and then, I mean, to be honest, I guess like, you know, we've been there and like, you know, we'll probably have like a bit of a hybrid role of solutions and kind of managing the project. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think typically on average, they're not as complex as like some of the, you know, bigger projects and some of the ones you've worked on where, you know, you need big teams. Um, so I would say it's more, you know, you can, you can take all of those internal deliverables and there's the gaps aren't massive. Um, and it's probably more like, you know, looking at, cause, uh, looking at the international side and more, it's probably more the solutions and platform level specialist inputs that they need more than anything else. And maybe the front end side. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that too. But the one, the one, um, one difference that I would flag is, um, I've worked with, with some consumer brands who are let smaller end of the SME. So a few million up to the, the uh, like 5 million level but looking to grow fast and they are they've got investment and all of a sudden they're running loads of projects and i've seen this where they're trying to re-platform they're putting it in erp they're doing crm because they're and fundamentally at when a business of that size which doesn't have um you know project management discipline in there because that's not what they never needed before they need then a project manager because you can't have ERP done by somebody, every platform done by somebody else, and another business stakeholder making CRM decisions and no coordination because you end up in an absolute bloody mess and you make really shit decisions that end up costing you a shed load to unpick, or you get blockers on one project because of a decision made on another. So I think I think the D2C stuff sometimes needs to pivot into thinking more more like an enterprise from a contract to a point of view if they're adding that level of complexity. Yeah, that makes sense. But what they don't think, um, like when I the, the House of Fraser, when the House of Fraser had like a program manager, four project managers, a team of BAs, what the DC brand doesn't need is a PMO office with about eight or nine people in it. It just needs a proper, qualified, experienced, full term project manager to control it, basically. Yeah. I think the only the only one we haven't touched on as well, and I know we've touched on this in quite a lot of episodes is I guess potentially uh, isolating the integrations piece um, and putting that over here and putting, you know, specialist people on that, be that whether you're, you know, building a connector or using one of the middleware providers. Um, because I guess a lot of those brands are going to be, you know, want to work with agencies that have a portfolio of, you know, brands and like, you know, they're going to be more front end orientated. So quite often that will be split out, I guess, as well. Um, but we've talked about that loads and the pros and cons of doing that. Um, so I won't open up that kind of worms. Yeah. No, it, it is true though. And, and you know, in, interestingly, you know, we're, we're seeing, um, uh, you know, tech providers like Patchworks really heavily invest in their products again and, and improving like self-serve tools to make it easier for businesses to, to use integration layers. So, but you're right. It's somebody's got to do the integration work and it's either a, 
you're in an ecosystem where the agency builds the integrations and they have, might have their own custom layer. There's quite a few agencies. Even even in Shopify world, there are people who've built their own integration layers, um, like Function, for example, and um, uh, you know, various others. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, th- I think it has to be done. The question is, who owns it? As long as somebody owns it, um, and there needs to be a counterpart within the the um, e-commerce business, your business basically, to make sure that there is ownership of that relationship. Because uh, I don't believe that you shouldn't just turn around and outsource everything and go, right, we'll let them get on with it because that's they, yeah, there's danger. There's danger doing that way. Um, I, I think, you know, I, hopefully that's been useful for people because we obviously work on a lot of different projects. Um, I've been involved in discussions on projects where I'm not even involved as a consultant and I'm just giving a little bit of advice or I'm listening and chatting to people to find out how they're doing it and what skills they're using. And I find it interesting because there's no, it's not one size fits all. You've got to pick the resource that you need to deliver the project. And my, I think my part in advice is this, um, is think about your race C, which is your, you know, your, your whole responsibilities, uh, roles and responsibilities matrix. What roles and responsibilities does a project need? And this is from project management and delivery to subject matter expertise, to sponsorship uh, and commercial leadership, decision-making, all those bits that need to get you from start to finish. And then what can you feasibly do with your existing team based on the size of the project? You know, can you, do you need 20% of everybody's time um, in order to do it? And can you do that without impacting BAU? Once it starts getting over about 20 25%, you start to realize actually you probably need to bring in a contractor or maybe yeah, a, a consultant to help on ad hoc stuff. Or we need to have an agency that's got deeper resource skills, as Paul alluded to earlier, where we can pay more to the agency to do more for us include more BA work and more discovery and requirements work so you've got to start with with defining that that you know, the only way you get to know what you can bite off yourselves is by thinking about those roles and responsibilities and if you are currently in a discussion with someone about replatforming and you have an agency that's going to do a build for you and you're not sure sit down and talk with them about what they expect from you what do you need to provide to them and when because you'll soon find out where you don't have a comfort zone basically so that's my part in thoughts, Paul. What what would you leave people with? I think um, I think that you know everything you just said there is um, is really solid, and I think yeah, I probably would have just said a couple of things that you said. So yeah, I think the one thing you said right at the end uh, is I think you know discovery is one risk going into a project, right? You need to make sure that you handle it properly. The other one is what you said around kind of understanding the workload for your internal team because you see so many people go into a replatforming project get to a certain point in the project and then they're like fuck basically like you know we we don't have the team to deliver this and then it's too late so i think asking that question and you know really building an understanding of what's required from your team early on will yeah make this whole piece loads easier yeah 100 percent. having having awkward questions up front um, is critical uh, and giving people the bad news early that, that is going to create a load of work because at least then they can be honest and tell you what impact it will have on their day-to-day um, stuff. So um, excellent. Hopefully that's been useful. Feel free to disagree with us. Feel free to add on to other areas where you see from your experience in projects, skills and resources that people need to consider investing in for a contract or a consultative basis. We'd love to hear what your experience is because we all work on different projects. Do uh, fire in the comments on our LinkedIn post or, or reach out to me and Paul directly. Thanks for listening. Keep your ears open for our next episode. And don't forget to give us that rating before you go if this was your first time listening. Thanks, everybody.
more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.